Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Good morning. How is everybody? I'm going to let you try that one more time. How is everybody? Good, good. Hey, we need a lot of shouting in here today because uh, this is going to be one of those messages when it's all over, you're going to want to shout. I just trust me, you're just going to want to shout. So before we start today, I want to welcome both of our campuses, Noonan and LaGrange. I want to say thank you for worshiping with us today. And I want to tell you today, there is a very honored and distinguished group of people here today that we need to recognize. On Friday, we celebrated Veterans Day. I want all of you who served our country to stand to your feet, both of our campuses. Do that right now. We need to celebrate these people. These are the American heroes right here. They've given their life. They've given their life so Tuesday we could go vote. And so I just want to celebrate them, both of our campuses today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we're in this series called uh, That's Crazy, and I just want to say this, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night was crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Like some crazy stuff going on. Like I looked out at uh, polls and I looked at all other things and, and, and I just, I just go, man, that's just crazy. Like there's lots of crazy things going on in our world. And then even after that, you know, all the rioting that's going on in the streets and people wondering, you know, what's, when is our country going to get back to work and, and all those different things. There's just a lot of crazy things going on. So we've been talking about this idea that God wants us to live a different type of crazy, a different kind of crazy. And uh, I look at everything that's happening in our world right now, and I say, God, I know there's a lot of crazy, but I just, I just have this thought, I just have this belief that somehow if we as the church would start living a different type of crazy, we would start seeing more peace in our generation. I just believe that. I mean, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, And the church, the Christians, the Christ followers, the light, when we invade the darkness, darkness doesn't invade light, light invades darkness, right? And the reason that there's so much darkness in the world is somehow we have, we have somehow, like we talked about in VBS, we've somehow taken that little light and we've stuck it under the bush. You know, we need to pull that light out, right? And we need to go get it. And so uh, I'm glad that you're here today. Um, Let me say this too, man. God's doing some great things in our church. I I just want to talk about it real quick. Uh, We've seen 84 people in the last two weeks give their life to Jesus. 84 people. And God's opening doors for us to tell people about Jesus. I love the opportunities God's given us to love people in our community. Uh, This Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, I want to tell both of our campuses, we're going to be meeting here for night of worship. You say, what's that about? It's a night when we just come together as both campuses unite. Listen, the church, we need to come to this place and we need to raise the roof on this place. We need to celebrate and give thanks to God. For everything that's going on in our world, we have an opportunity to show our love and our honor to Jesus. I pray you'll be here 7 o'clock Wednesday night. And let me tell you this too. 
Maybe you're at one of our campuses and you're an adult and you say, you know, I heard, I heard Jake in and I heard Pete talk about baptism earlier. Listen, I'm going to be baptized in Wednesday night. I'm just going to throw myself in the hat. I would love to baptize you if you're an adult or a student here and you've never followed the Lord in baptism. You just go to our website, southcrest.church forward slash baptism. You can sign up for night of worship baptism and I would love to celebrate your baptism this Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're in the series and we're talking about how God wants us to have a different and live a different type of crazy. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever hoped for something that something you thought you wanted to happen in your life really, really big, but it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to? You know what I'm talking about? Like you planned a vacation some of you last year, you planned a vacation and you're like, oh, we're going to stop at this place. We're going to do this thing. And you start getting on the journey and you realize you ain't going half the distance you thought you were going, right? Some kid throws up in your backseat, right? The video player in your backseat goes haywire, right? And you thought you were downloading a Netflix movie, but you didn't, you know, nothing works. There's a lot of things in our life that we hope for that never end up the way that we want them to be. And maybe you get to the desired destination. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's your, you know, you want your marriage to be here. Maybe you want to get married. I mean, for, for some of you, that's your goal. Like, man, I want to be married. And that's like your preferred destination. And maybe you get there. And when you get there, the challenges of getting there are almost so overwhelming that you're like, man, why bother? Like the journey wasn't exactly what I expected it to be. And the question that you have when that happens in your life is this, what do you do when life doesn't go as you expect it to go? On April 14th, 1912, a group of people were sailing across the sea, the North uh, Atlantic Sea in the cold waters. And, and when they were sailing, they basically got on a ship that everyone told them would never sink. It's called the Titanic. And they got on that boat saying, nothing will ever sink this. And they thought, man, we are going to go to New York City and we are going to get there. But on the night of April 14th, 1912, they didn't see it coming. There was an iceberg that was sticking out of the water that was bigger than they ever dreamed. And they thought originally that the, the boat sunk because there was a hole in the side of the ship. There were actually six small slits underneath the ship that the iceberg literally tore a hole in the bottom hole of the ship. They thought, man, nothing will ever sink this. And I started thinking about that. You know, sometimes my expectations and our expectations are a lot like the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. I don't know if you realize this, but they say that only one-tenth of most icebergs are ever visible above water. And so just like life, you go, man, I just want to get here. I want to, I want to have this marriage. I want to have these kids. I want, I want everything to be so as I planned it to be. And it's not really ever the circumstances or the challenges that we face. Sometimes it's our expectations. In fact, here's what I know. What lies beneath the surface is always what sinks the ship. You face a difficulty in life. You think, man, I want to get somewhere. Some of you are like, man, I want to have a better job. I want to have a better life. But suddenly you face the challenge and what's inside of you comes out of you and it scares you to death. See, that's what scared most of us to death during this last election. We saw a side of ourselves in the mirror that was bigger than the two candidates were running, right? It was like a self-reflection moment. And we were almost like, oh my gosh, we're the iceberg that nobody sees. Because sometimes our expectations take us to that place. Here's what I know. God will often take you and take me on an unexpected journey 
to get us to his preferred destination. An unexpected journey. How many of you guys have ever heard this phrase before? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, God, I want to make you laugh. I have a 10-year plan. This is what I'm going to do. And God's up there going, (laughs) yeah, right. I've heard that all my life. Like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Because the truth is this. What do we do on the journey will determine how we arrive at the destination. What we do on the journey will arrive. It's going to determine how we get there. It's not a matter of if I'm going to get there. The matter is how am I going to get there? I remember when I ran my first marathon, I was in Dallas, Texas. And man, I had trained so hard. I was like, I got this. I got this. I had run 20 plus miles multiple times. I got this. I got this. I got out till I got out to mile 13, about halfway through the marathon. And I got there about nine minutes too soon, which in marathoning is really bad. It means you ran too fast too soon. (laughs) And then at mile 16, all hell broke loose. My body's like freaking out. I was like, I've never felt that way before. You know, I'm like, I'm just doing crazy stuff. I had planned the journey. But what we do on the journey will determine how we arrive at the destination. When I arrived at that finish line, I was like, wow. How I adjusted the things I had to do differently in my life. Look at the book of Acts chapter 19. If you have your Bible, turn over there. Acts chapter 19. Paul had met Christ on the road to Damascus. Jesus had changed his life. And he was so radically changed by Jesus that he became one of the greatest missionaries of all time. In fact, if you look from Acts chapter 10 all the way through Acts 28, most of the the book of the latter part of Acts is about Paul and some of the missionary journeys that he took. And when you look at his life, here's what you realize. You realize that Paul was just like you and I. But here's the thing. We think Paul had some sort of a special exception from God. Oh, God wouldn't let Paul go through that. Listen, many times Paul would go, and the thing about Paul is everywhere he went, there was either revival or a riot. Like, you know people like that in your work? They show up and they're like a hurricane, right? You get into work with them, and they're like, man, she's full on. He's full on. Listen, Paul was full on. In fact, I tell people, if Paul were speaking today, most of you would probably get up and walk out. You'd be like, ooh, that's, that's too weird. I mean, he's just dangerous. But Paul, all through the second part of the book of Acts, has these journeys in places that he goes. But I want you to see this journey that God took him on in his life and what the Lord did through him. Acts 19, verse 21, I love this verse. It says, I must visit Rome also. He says, I want to go to Jerusalem because I want to preach the gospel there. I need to go back through Jerusalem. He said, but when I leave Jerusalem, I want to go to Rome. Why did he want to go to Rome? Paul was a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen, you had the opportunity if you were on trial for what we would call federal charges, what they would call the the Roman state charges, you had the opportunity to appeal to Caesar and actually go see Caesar. Now, it didn't always turn out good for you if you went to Caesar. He probably saw hundreds of cases a day and most of them he's like, oh, you're gonna die. Yep, you're gonna be eaten by a lion. Okay, I mean, he just basically would go through them. But here's what Paul said. If the one way I can get to Rome is to appeal to Caesar so that the gospel can spread to Rome, then here's what he said. My plan is to go to Rome. So he says these words in Acts 19, 21. He says, I must visit Rome also. And then here's the capstone of his trip. Look at uh, Acts 28, 14. The Bible says this, and so we came to Rome. 
and you go, oh my gosh, Paul really is a saint. Like he just said, God, I want to get to Rome because you want to get me to Rome. And then all of a sudden God says, hey, I'm going to get you to Rome. No, that's not how it happened. In fact, let me say this. Paul got to Rome, but not how he had expected to get there. In fact, nothing went as he planned it would go. There was no cruise ship. He didn't show up and say, hey, we're, we're on Disney cruise today. We're going to Rome. Look, kids, Mickey Mouse balloons. No, that's not what happened. The truth is there was no welcoming party. In fact, lots of things happened. Nothing went as he expected it. He faced a citywide riot before he ever got on the ship. An assassination plot of his life. They almost tried to kill him. A trial that they took him on. It's so crazy because when, when you read in, in Acts there, the, the moment where they took him from Jerusalem to Caesarea, I've actually stood in that spot where he almost persuaded King Agrippa to become a follower of Christ. And I remember standing in that courtyard, I was like, wow, this is where Paul argued for one of the greatest rulers in the, 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 the area there for him to become a Christ follower. And Paul, man, what he went through. He gets on a trial. He gets almost assassinated. He ends up as a prisoner on a transport ship on his way to Rome. And you say, man, that's horrible. That's a bad day. No, it gets worse. Because the Bible says once they get into the ship, all of a sudden a big storm comes up and arrives on the scene. How many of you guys feel like in life sometimes you go through some massively big storms? Raise your hand. I do. Yeah, so, so let me say this. If you're here today and you say, oh, Sean, I, I never go through storms. Okay, you're either dead or you're a liar. I go through some crazy storms in my life. Like last two weeks, I've gone through the allergy storm. Like some of you have been praying for the election. I've been praying for rain up in this place. Like, listen, if you can make it rain in Atlanta right now and you give me two inches, I'll buy you burritos for a whole week. I'm just throwing it out there right now. Like, it's on. There's storms that we're in. And the truth is, we're either going in the storm, we're in the storm, or we're coming out of a storm. It's like it just happens over and over again. Paul, he's in the midst of a storm. And get this, the storm is so bad that they had to take ropes and put it underneath the ship just to keep the ship together to get it to the preferred destination. It's so bad that they have to throw all of their rations, all of their supplies, all of their food off just so that the boat won't sink. And that's where you and I dig into the story because the first part and the last part isn't the real story. It's what happens right here. Look at Acts 27, verse 27. It says, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. And they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was nearly 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. Let me tell you, man, when you face a storm, sometimes the only thing you can do is drop some anchors and pray for daylight. You go, well, I didn't choose this storm. I know you didn't. I didn't want this storm. I know you didn't. Nobody wants a storm. Listen, you crazy if you're the person that goes, hey, let's go get in a tornado. <laughs> or you're from Oklahoma. 
But the truth is this. Sometimes when you face the greatest storms that you'll ever face in your life, the only thing you can do is drop some anchors and just pray for daylight. See, I I don't know a whole lot about anchors, but I know this. There are different types of anchors that work with different types of boats. So there's a small mushroom anchor that you can put, like, in fact, this summer we were out at Lake Lanier and we were doing some boating and, and, and man, it was windy that day and we dropped this mushroom anchor and, and I looked at Tracy, I was like, this thing's not gonna hold us and it, it didn't hold us. But there's all different types of anchors. There's, this is called a Danforth anchor. Like, this is about 40, 45 pounds. You can drop it into the water and it's gonna open up. These teeth open up and they dig into the bottom of the sand. They dig into the bottom of the rock and they literally anchor you in place. And the key is this, the type of anchor you use, the type of anchor you drop will determine how you weather the storm. And so I looked at my life and I was like, man, I need to drop some anchors. Sometimes in my life, I'm like, man, there's things I just can't deal with in my life. And and when you go through that storm, what anchor do you drop? Because here's what I'm seeing in our culture. There's a lot of people, they're dropping the anchor of our political system. Man, if we can get the right guy in there, we will be good. You crazy. <laughs> Listen, that's a horrible anchor. Some of us are like, man, if I just got in the right relationship, that, that person could be my anchor. I mean, listen, what a pickup line. Hey, baby, won't you be my anchor? If you fall for that one, girls, listen, you need some help. The truth is this. We have relationships we try to anchor our life with. Our finances. I mean, some of us have gone from a 401k to a 401a. And we're like, dude, this is like shifting sand. Like, I can't. There's nothing that's holding me right now. And what happens is when you don't have anchors dropped, you just kind of go everywhere. Because the truth is, if the anchor's not heavy enough, if the rope's not good enough, if it's not deep enough, if you don't get it onto the bottom and really get it locked in, that anchor won't hold. And here's what happens in our lives. We allow the culture. We allow our friends. We allow a lot of other things to try to be our anchors And we just kind of drift. In fact, here's what I know about anchors. This anchor, the reason why they dropped it far away from shore so they wouldn't be dashed by the rocks, but also so they wouldn't be driven back out in the storm. So you say, well, if they just could have made it to land. No, they couldn't have made it to land because they didn't know where they were. And there's times in your life you're like, I don't know where I am in this. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, I can't even see. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I can't see ahead of me. Like, I don't even know what tomorrow holds but you make a decision to drop an anchor and wait for daylight because here's your hope. If that anchor goes deep and that anchor's right, somehow that anchor will keep me from being dashed to the rocks or driven back into the storm. We need to drop some anchors. We need to drop some anchors. Listen, there are are over 5,400 promises in the Bible. Over 1,700 of them are conditional promises. Like, if you do this, I will do this. I mean, he tells us in Malachi 3.10, he says, if you will bring to me the first tenth, I will make your storehouses overflow. Like, you won't have any. He even goes on to say in, in verse 11 and 12 of Malachi 3, he says, I will even rebuke the enemy from your life. 
I mean, there's just promises all throughout the scripture, over 4,500. And every one of those promises are meant to be an anchor for our life. We need to drop some anchors. Let me tell you what America needs to do. We need to get our eyes off of so many other things. We need to start, start dropping some anchors of the promises of God. I, I want to share with you some of my anchors, okay? Maybe you got your own anchors. Maybe you're like, man, I, I learned this verse when I was a kid, and this is an anchor for me, or I went through cancer in my life. This, I just want to share with you my personal four anchors. First one is this, Romans 8, 38 and 39. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Everyone say separate. Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'll tell you the anchor I have to drop in my life every day that God loves me regardless of what I do. That God loves me regardless of who I am. And that God loves me because of who he is. I mean, think about it. He says, nothing can separate us. Listen, your circumstances can never separate you from God's love. Oh, it's so bad. I know it may be bad. Listen, you may be hanging onto a board. Like you may be at the bottom going, get that anchor in the ground. But here's the thing. Nothing, your circumstances will never separate you from the love of God. No matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter what everyone else says around you, you know what that means? If that is true, then you and I aren't up for a performance award. Well, if I perform well, God's love will be made real. No, it won't. Listen, the truth is God loves you no matter how you perform. It's called his grace. It's called his grace. He loves you. And listen, he doesn't love you according to your condition. He loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. There's nothing you can do. Listen, you are never more loved by God than you are right now. I mean, you just want to lather in it. Just like, yeah, like God loves me that way. Yeah, he says nothing can separate you. Nothing, 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 nothing can take you away from his love. That's one of the anchors I have to drop every day in my life. Let me tell you another one. Second Corinthians 12, nine, Paul's speaking here and he says, but he, he's talking about God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Listen to what he says. God's grace is sufficient. I started thinking about that word sufficient. You know what that word means? It means full. It means exactly where you need it, when you need it, the way you need it, because God knows you need it. Paul said, I got this thorn in my flesh. I got this circumstance I'm dealing with. I got this tragedy in my life. I got this junk I'm going through my life. He says, listen, my grace You know what I love about that? He didn't say your grind. He said his grace was sufficient. Because here's what we do. I got to grind it out. Listen, some of us, we've been in hunker down mode so long. We're not even living in God's grace. Like we just need to go, God, thank you that today your grace is completely sufficient for me. There's no room for anything else when it's sufficient. 
It's exactly to the place that God wants it. My grace is sufficient for me. Not only what I need, but the right amount when I need it. But here's our struggle. In our world, we're taught to live by the superficial and we never experience the sufficiency of God's grace. Man, God wants us to step into that. He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I go, that is so me. I am weakness, right? Like I struggle. Like I got things in my life I'm really jacked up over. And sometimes I go, God, how in the world can your grace be sufficient? And he says, let me show you how. Because Sean, when you're weak, that's when I'm strong. Not when you try to be strong and tell everyone you're strong and you think you're strong, but when you're weak, that's when I get powerful. That's when I get powerful. Let me tell you a third anchor, Psalm 73, 25 and 26. The psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you, God? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know the strongest organ in your body is your heart. Like everything else in you can die pretty much and they'll put it on life support. They'll make it work artificially. But pretty much when your heart gives out, it's done. There's nothing for them to resuscitate. Here's what God says. Even when your heart fails, I'm your strength. The most powerful organ in the body, even when it goes out, I'm still your strength. And I don't know about you, with what we've gone through in our country, I need strength. I need strength to get up on Monday. I need strength to come here on Sunday. I need strength every single day. So God's love, God's grace, God's strength. And then listen to this one. This is the fourth anchor that I, I, I go to in my life all the time. Isaiah 55, eight and nine. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, the truth is we all want to pull out our GPS and put in the right quadrants into that GPS and get there the quickest and the easiest way. A year ago, I downloaded an app for my phone. It's called the Waze app. W-A-Z-E. How many of you guys have ever heard of it? Right, better than Google Maps, better than Apple Maps. Somehow in Apple Maps, it only takes me to their Apple store. I don't know. Kind of weird that way. But I download the Waze app, W-A-Z-E, and basically you put in the deal and they tell you the shortest way to get where you're supposed to go and they tell you exactly what time you'll get there and you can actually wave at the Wazers as you're passing them, like beep at them on the little app deal, which is kind of crazy and weird. And, and so, you know, you're on that deal and you're watching it and here's the first thing you say. Oh, they have so chosen the wrong way. I know how to get there. I've gone there a thousand. Listen, we were up in North Georgia. Back in September, we were up there in North Georgia and Tracy, I was like, honey, we gotta get back quick. We're up here way north of Cummings. We gotta be down here nooning at this time. And she said, just pull out the Waze app. And I put it in, put it in, and we're driving down the road and I am, I am hating and doubting the Waze app the whole way. I'm like, oh no, no, it's telling me to turn left. And she said, go left. It's putting me on 285, honey. This thing's crazy. Nobody in their right mind would ever get on 285. 
unless it's the zombie apocalypse. And I'm fighting it the whole way back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. Hope I get back in time. It's telling me what time. And it's even telling me you're going to be back at this time. It's going to take you this many miles. And, and then I love my wife in her sweet, loving way. She looks over at me after I hate on it for about 30 minutes on the app. I just hating on the app. She looks at me and she said, Sean, their ways are not your ways. <laughs> Man, I married a godly woman. She's a prophet. And here's the thought. God's ways are better than my ways. Always. Listen, say it with me. God's ways are better than my ways. Always. Always. See, here's the challenge. God always knows the better way. And I can choose to try to find the right route, but he always knows the better way. I mean, here's what you got to hang your hat on. God knows the right route. So let me ask you a question. Why in our life sometimes do we find ourselves just running from the right route? When God says, hey, go this way. Stop running from the route. He can do more than just make a way. God can change you on the way. And the journey is what God cares most about. He knows exactly where he wants to get you. He's more committed to getting you where he wants you to be than you are committed to getting where you want to be. The question is this. Stop running from the root because God knows the right route. See, what happens when we drop the right anchors in our life? Paul says this in, in Acts, it's actually Luke writing, but Acts 27, this is how he tells the story of what happened. They're in the midst of the storm. And in verse 33 of Acts 27, it says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You're gonna need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. (laughs) Wait a minute, Paul, we're in a storm. Wait a minute, Joker, we haven't eaten for 14 days. You know the best part about this? Paul wasn't the captain of the ship. He was the prisoner. Mm. The prisoner stands up in the middle of the hole and he said, hey guys, I know y'all haven't eaten for 14 days. Why don't we just eat what's left here on the boat? And I'm just gonna tell you, not one of us is going to die. How did he know that? Because in Acts 23, 11, God had already given him a word and he said, Paul, not only are you gonna preach in Jerusalem, but you're gonna preach in Rome. Go look it up. God wakes him up in the middle of the night and he says, I want to give you a word. You're going to preach in Rome. So you know what Paul does? He stands up in the storm and he says, hey guys, we might as well eat because God says we going to Rome. He says, not one of the 276 crew passengers, prisoners on this ship will be harmed. Listen, you want to be a different kind of crazy? Start standing up in the storm and telling people what God says. Huh? This is what God says. Oh, but that's not what the media, I understand. I understand. Listen, guys, I'm, I'm going to say this, and this didn't cross anything to our media. I just want to tell you the honest truth. They're selling the news. We got good news, right? <laughs> this news ain't going to change. Man, we, we got to jump on it. And here's why, because the world's waiting for somebody crazy to stand up in the middle of the boat when the storm's going crazy and say, go ahead and eat. God's got us. 
<laughs> Some, someone the other day, like President-elect Trump, I think it was on the second day, someone says, I don't think he knows yet how he's going to create six million jobs. Well, he's only had 48 hours on the job. Guys, listen, it's weird. But here's the thing. The world's waiting for somebody with confidence to drop the right anchor. And when we do, it'll cause us to stand up in the storm and say, hey, go ahead and eat because God's got us. God's got us. I mean, you know really what storms are? They're opportunities to point people to the one who still says, peace be still, to the wind and the waves. Things happening in our lives and people go, man, why aren't you so freaked out? It's like, because I know who owns and controls everything. Everything. God's in charge. Well, aren't you concerned that somebody, listen, nobody's gonna thwart God's plan. If God says we're going to Rome, we're going to Rome. Doesn't matter how we get there, we're gonna get there. Listen, some of you are going through storms in your life and you're like, God, I didn't plan on this journey. And God says, I know you didn't, but I want you to know I did and I'm doing something in your life. And when I get you to the place that I want you, you're gonna arrive safely. Paul, here's the part of the story we don't always realize. After this moment, he he ends up shipwrecked on an island called Malta. They get to this place. He gets bit by a viper snake. The islanders are watching this thing go down and they're like, oh, he's the reason the boat was sinking. Like he must be like really bad. He gets bit by a viper and he doesn't die. Listen, when's the last time on your Monday you had a shipwreck and a snake bite? That's what I thought. Atlanta traffic, mm, it's tough. Viper snake bite and a shipwreck, that's pretty bad. But he ends up getting bit, doesn't die from it. He turns around, he turns around. And the leader of the island ended up coming to him. He prays for him. God heals the, the leader of the island. And then all the other islanders, the Bible says, who are sick, start coming to Paul and he prays for them and God heals them too. So let me ask you a question. Did God want him on that island? Absolutely. It was just a minor stopover. Sometimes your shipwreck is just a stopover. God knows where he wants to get you. See, here's, here's why this is so important. We're talking about anchors today. We need to drop some anchors in our life. You know, I was doing some studying the other day out of uh, anchors in the Bible, and, and I found this verse. It's in Hebrews six nineteen. Listen to what the Bible says. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf He has become a high priest forever. So I started doing some studying. Here's the thing. I don't know a lot about nautical stuff or boating or whatever, but there's this this principle in nautical life called kedging. And here's what it means. They would take a large boat and they would try to get it through a narrow channel. And the only way they could get it there is they would have to take one of the rowboats or they would have to take one of the speedboats and they would largely put a large kedging anchor into this boat and they would drive it sometimes hundreds of feet or even half a mile ahead of the boat. And they would drop this big anchor and then they would take this part and they would tie it back to the ship and then they would take a device and wherever that thing was dropped... They would literally pull themselves toward that anchor. Writer of Hebrews says this. 
Jesus Christ is the anchor for our soul. He came and he went into the Holy of Holies. See, the Holy of Holies, you could only go in there one time a year. The high priest would have to go make atonement for the sins of people. And if he even had sin in his life, they would tie a rope around his leg. He would die and they would pull him out from underneath the curtain. You couldn't even go in there. But here's what the Bible says. Jesus walks into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain. And what does he do? He drops an anchor. And you may be going through a storm in your life and you're like, man, I can't go through this anymore. It's okay. You need to grab onto the rope and you need to pull yourself toward that anchor. He says, we have this anchor as our hope, firm and secure. Why? Jesus went into the holy of holies and he dropped an anchor in God's presence forever so that you and I could grab a hold of this rope and we could pull ourselves toward him. Sean, I'm on my last leg, I know. You may just need to grab a hold of this rope and pull yourself toward Jesus because Jesus has already dropped the anchor. Would you pray with me today as we close? Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.